the end is going to be. I think God is setting this day up beautifully. You know, in First King chapter 18, we learn of a great deal all throughout First uh, and Second Kings of Elijah. If you read these chapters, you read about this man who, I mean, walked powerfully with God. Just had this remarkable relationship with God and saw God do so many awesome, wonderful, powerful things. I'm reading throughout Scripture, and, and as God began to speak to me about today, I started thinking about, man, how do I have that kind of life? I want to be able to, at the end of my days, be able to say, man, I had the best life ever. I had the best life ever. I know it has ups and downs, but I have the best life ever. First Kings 18, starting with verse 19. Elijah said, now summon all the people from all over Israel to meet with me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on the mountain. And Elijah went before the people and said, okay, how long will you waver between two opinions? Is it the Lord? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. But the people said nothing. Lord, I pray that the next few moments, I very transparently want to be open to Your Holy Spirit. And if You cannot speak... Through me, then speak around me, knock me out of the way, whatever you got to do. But speak to the hearts of every listener this morning. Even your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. A powerful Son of God. You know, Elijah was just a man, though. He was just flesh and blood, just like you and I. He had flesh. And you look at his life and you're like, wow, how did he... He lived on the edge. And here they are on this mountain. And Elijah is like throwing down the gauntlet, man. I mean, he is like, look. You bring your bull, I'll bring a bull. You call on your God, I'll call on mine. And we'll see who sends the fire. We'll see. Who consumes the sacrifice? I like this guy. We have our children here today. I want to tell you, children, a very prominent person once said, Be who you are. Say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. You know who said it? Dr. Seuss. Pretty smart guy. When you're being led of the Holy Spirit. When you're living the life that you're supposed to. Hey, the people that seem to care really don't matter. And those who care, they just let you be. Elijah didn't care. 
Well, would you say that Elijah had the best life ever because of all the things? I would say, yeah. The guy was taken to heaven in a chariot of fire. Talk about an exit strategy. But, and right before that happened, I mean, that wasn't just it. He parted a sea. Okay? He and Elisha, they parted the sea. God parted the sea. And they walk across. And when he gets to the other side, in come this chariot of fire and whisk Elijah away. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I think Elijah would say he had a pr- pretty awesome life. Everybody has a story. Your life has a story. It may not include chariots of fire. Maybe the song, but not the literal chariots of fire. And what will it say? If people were reading it right now, what would your life story say? Would people read your life story and go, wow, they've got the best life ever? Which AP, no, because it's got ups and downs. There's pain and there's grief and, and there's a lot of obstructions. No one would look at my life and say it was the best thing ever because of all the elements in it. Really? Have you read a book? Man, the characters that we fall in love with, the characters that we, we value, that have the most richness, are the ones who overcome adversities. The ones that come away from all their life's experiences being full and fulfilled. Socrates said an unexamined life is not worth living. Let's look at our lives today. I want to be able to wake up every morning and say, I've got the best life ever. And that's a challenge. Not that I don't have a wonderful family, a wonderful church, or a wonderful job, but because life is full of busyness and stress. You know, all the things that come along with it. How do you get there? Elijah. I'm not going to read it all, but he goes on and the false prophets are calling on their God and they're, you know, hurting themselves to try to provoke their God to, to answer them. And Elijah, he's like standing off to the side. I like this guy. He is standing off to the side, taunting them, making fun of them. He's got this weird sense of humor, you know. He's like, keep it up. Spin around a little faster. You know, hurt yourself a little harder. Scream a little louder. Bring in some more. There's only 800, 900 of you here. Maybe a few more. He just kept taunting them. You know, I want to give you just a, a few things this morning. And then we're going we're gonna to go back and invite the presence of God to deal with this. Just a few simple things I want to talk to you about. You want to have the best life ever. You know, your sense of humor is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Nothing can displace tension and difficult situations like humor can. Just like humor. Samuel Johnson, he was... Lived a couple of hundred years ago. When he was alive, he was probably one of the smartest mans alive. He wrote a dictionary. It was used for 150 years until... Webster came along. Smart guy. But everybody thought he was weird. Everybody thought he was odd. Because he had these ticks about him. 
gestures. He would do things. It would kind of make people feel uncomfortable. and People didn't like it. Sometimes they would be so violent that people thought he was going mad. Because that happens to geniuses, you know. They go mad. Some people thought this guy was crazy. They said that Johnson would kind of play it off. He didn't know it and they didn't know it at the time, but he had Tourette syndrome. Beautiful brain. His body just didn't coordinate very well. It was said that sometimes to get rid of unwanted company, he might have embellished a fit or two. This guy had a sense of humor. Despite having this disease, he accomplished more than probably anybody else in his lifetime or after. For well, for a couple of hundred years. Buried at Westminster Abbey, he was devoted Anglican. Nobody knew it at the time for all his brilliance. They just thought he was odd, despite his condition. And you know, it was Johnson. It was Johnson who said, he wrote this. He said, people should spend part of each day laughing. I can see why he would say that. You know, humor is not about making fun of other people. It's about knowing what's funny about you. And letting the world laugh along with you. I've been around you now for several years. Some of you are serious folk. It's okay. God gave this... this, Look, the way the church is, God gave us humor for a reason. We need it to survive. You know, I'll never forget. You know, I love my boys. I was there when Ryder was born. But... Christy, you know, we had a cesarean, so I was sitting beside her. When Ryder was born, I saw him milliseconds after he was born, but I didn't actually watch him be born. Now, Jersey, Jersey Shy, who we're going to dedicate on the 4th of July to the Lord, but Jersey, I don't know, I guess I was emboldened by the fact that I was in the room. But something went terribly wrong. I don't know. The doctor said, here he comes. I stood up. Christy was medicated. I'm sure she looked over and went, what is he doing? I stood up and two minutes later he came. So I watched the whole thing. And I'm still proud of the fact that I could say, I watched Jersey Shy be born. I don't remember much after it because I fell out. That is on the hot. Christy is two feet away from me having a baby. And I'm on the floor. Nurses are around me stuffing stuff in my nose. It was, it was, it was embarrassing. I came to and I'm like, did I pass out? You know? I mean, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. <clears throat> I couldn't believe it. You know, that's funny. I immediately put this on Facebook because I just figured the world needs to know. <laughs> you got to be able to laugh. You got to be able to let the world know your funny side. You know, you want to live the best life ever? Then learn to laugh. Invite humor into it. God has a sense of humor, He made you. 
He has a sense of humor. And the Bible is full about being glad and being happy. Psalm 68.3 says, But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Even when the chips are down and times are bad, we still are the righteousness of Christ. We still have a reason, even briefly, to put a smile on our face. Proverbs 15.13 says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful. My translation... If you're happy, notify your face. <laughs> oh, I'm happy. Tell your face. It's not that hard. Look at it. Maybe it's because we don't brush our teeth. I don't know. I'm telling you, the church, we'd be more friendly and more happy if we handed out Listerine for services and stuff. I think that would work. Have it in the bathrooms. Notify your face. James 5.13 says, Is any one of you in trouble? Then he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Like we did this morning. We have a reason to sing. Humor. But you know what? Those people who have most powerfully and permanently influenced their generation have not been people born into prominence or position or blessed with great wealth they're just ordinary people like you and I who could see they were people of vision have a sense of humor but vision we need vision too we need to be seers People who can see past the present situation and, and look into the future without fear or dismay, but with faith. And to be able to, to see. And you see what is. No one's denying what is, but who can see what could be, what can be. You know, in Second Kings, just a little few chapters later, after Elijah and Elisha, Elisha is now the prophet in charge and he you know he was kind of like Elijah stirring things up making trouble one morning his servant woke up this is in 2 Kings chapter 6 you want to check it out his servant woke up and he looks around the city and all around the city the enemy had come in and snuck in at the night during the night and so they're like completely surrounded and the Bible says that there was an army with horses and chariots. And so this servant of Elijah, he did what any self-respecting man would do. He screamed. He was like, ah! Elijah, what are we going to do? We're all going to die. They surrounded us. We didn't even see this coming. What are we going to do? And Elijah, very cool cat, Elijah just looks at him and says, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then he looked at his servant. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw the hills covered with horses and chariots of fire. He saw God's army. 
and they surely outnumbered the enemy. Eyes that look are common. Eyes that see are rare. The pessimist sees difficulty all the time. The optimist sees opportunity. So what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Your future? Your family? What do you, what's the vision for your family? What do you want to see from your children? What's your, what's your vision? What's your, what do you see with your occupation, your career, your business? What do you, what do you see the future, your ministry, the, this church? What do, you, what do you see? What's your vision? If things aren't perfect right now, what's your vision then for the future? What do you want it to be? What are the desires of your heart? What can you see? Because if you want the best life ever, people who have the best life ever, they are people who can see. They are people of vision. They have a sense of humor and they have vision. They look past what's happening and they look into the future. You know, humility is another hallmark mark of a, of a disciple of Christ. But you know what? Humility is a secret path. It's, it's a hidden path of service. It's hidden. It's designed to be that way. It's, it, humility is like a muscle. You, you use it and you stretch it and you pull it and you pull on it. And, and over it's, it's uncomfortable and nobody likes it. It's not fun. But the more you, you use it, the stronger it becomes. The more it becomes who you are. You don't seek promotion. And you know, when someone points out your act of service, that's one thing. When you like it, that's another. Humility takes attention away from you and puts it on others. Other things, other projects, the work of ministry. You want the best life ever? Make Jesus greater than yourself. My last quality. All these, all these qualities, I think they're important. Humor, vision, humility, they're all important. But to be spirit-filled is indispensable. All throughout the books of Acts, the book of Acts, we read about persons who were full of the Holy Spirit, and then you hear about the work they did. Full of the Holy Spirit, so and so, full of the Holy Spirit, so and so, full of the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again, you hear this thing, full of the Holy. The place where they were meeting, uh, where they were all there praising God, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Spirit doesn't come and just take control and. Without your invitation. He doesn't do anything against our will. And when people lack... Now listen to me. This is important. This is probably the most important quality out of all of them. Because when people lack spiritual fitness to cooperate with Him, He simply, quietly withdraws and leaves you to your own plans. 
God is not about crushing you. But He will leave you alone. If you want to do your own thing, you want to go out on your own, He's not going to embarrass you and He's not going to crush you. He's going to say, okay, this is your plan. Let's see how this turns out. A person that doesn't invite and implement this Holy Spirit in fullness in their life will result in an unspiritual life. I don't care how much you go to church or read your Bible or sing a song or acts of service you do. A person who is not led full of the Holy Spirit cannot lead a spiritual life. It, it needs to be there. Matter of fact, I don't even think you can possess in fullness all these other qualities. And there's many more besides humor and humility and vision. There's, there's many more. I just picked those out because those are important. But being spirit-filled, man, it just makes those elements even stronger in your life. Mark 16, Jesus told us. He told us. He said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. You need it. This isn't for me, this is for you. This is to help you. This is for you. And when the Spirit fills us, it fills our hearts, our minds, our emotions, even our physical strength. You want the best life ever, then you give your life over to the life giver. Because your best life, your best life is nothing but the expression of God's Spirit through you. I like this. Any Office fans, Dwight, uh, Dwight Schrute quote for you. You want to win? You got to feel like a winner. You want the best life ever? Then you need to be full of the Spirit. You need to receive as much as you can. Church should be a, a filling station. Every week we gather and we worship and for discipleship. Why? To be full. To be full of the Spirit's energy and wisdom and direction and, and power. Because if you're spending spiritual en- energy, then you, you need to get a recharge. A refill. I love free refills. Anybody love McDonald's iced tea? That's my favorite. I hate it when I go somewhere and they make me pay for a refill. I don't like it. But man, I love free refills. You know, we have plenty of opportunities all throughout the week. And even when we come and we gather together to get a free refill. And I don't know about you, but as a husband and a parent and a pastor and as a normal human being, I need to be refilled. I need this. I need God's help. I need the Spirit's fullness in my life. Have you seen the world we live in? We need it. It's essential. Some of you are running on empty. No wonder there's no humor, no smile, no vision, no looking forward. Pushing through on your own strength. Not relying on the help of the Lord. 
We didn't even know how it happened. We don't even know how we get there sometimes. And then we sit here and we're going, why can't I worship? Or why can't I really get into this? Or why isn't this word really speaking to me? Because you're empty. You're empty. You're running and you're burnt out. You need a refill. And if you're telling me this morning, well, JP, I'm always full, then shame on you. Because he didn't fill you up just for you to sit at home with it. Give it to your friends and your neighbors and your family. God, let God spin you out all week long because, hey, you get a free refill when you come back. That's the point. You know, if you're empty this morning, I got news for you. You can leave full. You can leave full. You know, we sing a song and youth. I'm going to have Ashley and Mallory to come and help me. I love this song. We're going to, we're going to sing it a little, for a few moments this morning and then we're going to invite the presence of God to come fill us. To come fill us overflowing. You know, and I want you to be confused this morning. The Holy Spirit, I mean, He... For some reason, I feel like we treat the Holy Spirit like He is a battery or electricity or some external thing that we can manipulate and throw at each other or, or something. I, I don't know. Well, well, You do realize that when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're speaking of God. God, three persons. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's, it's three but one. It, it is the Holy Spirit who is God. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, it is like saying you are full of God. Now, if you get full of God, then you'll possess the qualities, the strengths. At least they're made available to you. Because like God is in you. I'm not saying you are God. Because you are not. I'm saying when you're weak, you got his strength. I'm saying that when you're tired, he picks you up. I'm saying in a moment of opportunity for ministry, he gives you boldness. He gives you the words to say. Parents, man, it's hard enough trying to parent teenagers. Trust me, I pastor them. We need the Holy Spirit. Do you know what would freak your kid out the most? God give you the spirit of discernment. I don't know what other gifts y'all want. I want discernment. I want to know what my kid is doing. I want words of wisdom. I need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, this morning, I, I don't know where you're at in your life. I'm not even sure how you gauge what's full, JP. How do I know if I'm full? Can I ever really be overflowing? The only thing I can tell you is this. We don't get to live at the gas station. Life has a way of draining us. So it, it just seems practical to me that any time 
you can invite the presence of God to come and fill you, you probably need it. Reading God's word helps fill you up. Worshiping him helps fill you up. But you know what the simplest way to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit is to ask for it. To ask for it. Look, God can do more in one moment of feeling you, touching you with His Holy Spirit than you reading a thousand pages of the Bible or praying a thousand prayers or hearing a hundred sermons. All those things are great and well and good and useful. But He could do more in one millisecond than we could try to orchestrate on our own. And with every head bowed, no one looking around... give each other privacy this morning to be open and honest are you running on empty do you need to be refilled this morning because the best life ever is a life full of the Holy Spirit are you full I'm not asking you if you're running on enough. I'm asking you, are you full? I'm asking you, would your family, would your friends, would your neighbors, would they be able to tell that you are full of the Holy Spirit? Full of energy and power and passion and boldness and wisdom. Are you full of God? You answer that question to yourself. Are you full? I got another question. This one's for you. Are you full? You answer to yourself. Yeah? No? At this moment? Because my next question is... Would you like to be refilled this morning? Would you like to be refilled? Would you like to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you? In a special, tangible, God kind of way. I need to be filled this morning. Every head bowed and no one looking around. This is, this is all I know to be true. God, in His Word, tends to move the most powerfully when people are, act out their faith, when they are motivated by faith. God likes that. He likes to see our faith. He likes to see it at work. So I'm going to ask you to do something just to make a simple gesture of faith this morning because if you're here and you're saying you know what I'm, I'm not full and I want to be full and I want God to fill me right now I just want him to come and, and just fill me I want to ask him to fill me I don't know what that's going to look like I don't know God fills people in different ways 
And we can never truly see on the outside what God is doing on the inside. So you can't ever judge but what happens physically, what's happening spiritually. But I believe in faith that if you ask this morning, God's going to fill you up. I don't care what you look like on the outside. God is going to fill you up, overflowing on the inside. So as you do a simple act of faith, you want to receive, you want to ask God to come fill you, I want you to just stand. I just want you to stand right where you are. This is my act of faith. This is not for everybody. But it's, it's for some. we we'll say, I, want, I need God's infilling. I'm standing. I need it.